Thank you for choosing to listen to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. For more resources and information on our church or our team, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Woo, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm just blown away. There's another video. Oh my gosh, it's no longer Audrey up there. I don't even know what to say. Huh? Uh, it's a different video. I know, we, 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 you know we're just trying to sh- shake things up a little bit here. Uh, but good morning, church. Good morning to everybody that's visiting us for the first time. If you are here, we're so grateful to have you. Everybody that's joining us online as well. And to everybody, you know, they just made it out today. My wife, Kat and I, if you don't know who we are, get to have the privilege of uh, leading this church along with amazing leaders and deacons and the rest of the team. We don't do this alone. And I know I keep referring to Kat as if she's here. She's not here. I'm not crazy. I'm just looking there because she's normally there. Uh, she's actually right now trying to escape a hurricane, Hurricane Ida. Uh, so she's on her way to, she was meant to be flying back today from Mobile, Alabama, but she's not going to be flying back from uh, Atlanta. And I just want to give her props. And I do this when she's not here because I don't want her to get a big head, right? <laughs> But she's awesome. I mean, I just, I just, I wouldn't be able to do what I do without her. And so I just want to give her the credit that's due to her. And I thank God for every day. Just some announcements real quick before we get any further into today's stuff. Um, we've got a whole bunch of stuff that's coming up. First of all, our life groups and our sort of fall semester is going to kick off on the 7th of September. So not this week, the week after, we're going to have our ministry nights where we're going to be looking at, you know, all the different aspects of, you know, key women ministry. There will be a a study on Joseph. If you're interested in that, please register. We're going to be kicking off corporate prayer again. And of course, 620 students, which has been meeting, but we're also now include in that 620 sisters. So the girls will also be meeting on Tuesday nights. But the main thing is that life groups will also kick off. And so if you're not part of a life group uh, or a community group or whatever you want to call it, just go online, please find a group that suits you, that's in your area, that suits your time and day, and just connect with them and be a part of it. You'll see we'll unpack some of this a little bit today. Then another announcement, and I'm going to say this probably for the next three weeks because it seems like I keep messing this up. Uh, Because people keep showing up at different times. We did have two services, right? That was two, three weeks ago. Was it three weeks ago? Four weeks ago. But we're not having two services right now. But we're going back to two services. And so again, like I mean, we try to keep your mind as active as possible in this church. Uh, And so we don't want you to get used to just doing things and just oh, that's what time church is. No, no, no. Here we like to shake things up a little bit. So from the 12th of September onwards, okay. Uh, until further notice, we're going to be having two meetings, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. So if you come at 10, you're going to be late for the first, early for the second. Okay, it's going to be very awkward. Okay, so 9 a.m., 11 a.m. from the 12th of September. And if you know people that aren't here today, first of all, ask them where they were. Make them feel really bad about not being here. Just kidding. I'm just kidding, seriously. But just if you know people in your life groups or you know people that aren't here today, can't be here today, please let them know that from the 12th of September onwards, we will be at two meetings, 9 a.m. and 11 a.m., which means there's no more 10 o'clock meeting. Another date that you need to save in your calendars is September the 28th. It's going to be our fourth worship night coming up at the end of next month. As you know, we've had three others previously to this one, and every single time we've had these worship nights, we've just seen a greater outpouring of God's presence. I think it's because our level of expectation is increasing. Not that God's getting bigger every week. We aren't somehow you know, releasing the genie out of the bottle. God's been the same size from day one. But every time we come, we expect Him to do more. And so we're trusting that this one will be just another amazing encounter with God, that He'll speak to us, move amongst us. And so please put this in your diary um, and just schedule it so that you don't miss it. Last announcement, Cassie Marino, who announced last week Sunday that we are kicking off a new curriculum for Children's Church. 
she's our new preschool sort of director, heads up preschool. I want you to know that this particular curriculum is an amazing one. It, it really is powerful. It's literally about finding Jesus in every book of the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. And this morning, we've got the resources for sale. The course, this new curriculum only starts on the 12th of September as well. But we do have the devotionals and the Bibles on sale today. You only need one per family, one devotional and one Bible. They'll help you as parents be able to walk through this journey with your kids across all age groups. That's what's also cool about this is every age group from pre-K to elementary will be studying the same things just aligned at the levels that they're at. And so if you're interested in getting one of those devotionals or the Bibles, they are outside on sale. You can just Venmo us, take one and uh, just start having a look at it before the curriculum starts. Amen? Cool. Charlie is not here today. Derek is here. Great job last week for leading the band. Thank you so much for just doing such an amazing job uh, while I was away last week Sunday and everybody else that hosted. I'm always blown away by how amazing this team is and I can't start without saying thank you to them. I also want to just for a few minutes, if you would allow me, just pause and look back on what God's been doing in our local church over the last four weeks. Sometimes I think we get so uh, interested in forward momentum and progress that we forget to look back. You know, God commanded the nation of Israel to build an altar, literally, after they crossed over the River Jordan. Why? So that they could continuously look back and remind themselves of what God had already done. And so sometimes it's good just to pause for a second. It started four weeks ago, right? We had John Thomas, as well as Brian Barnett from Streams Ministries with us. They reminded us that we can hear from God ourselves. And what was powerful about that time is I saw people's faith get activated. People realized that God can speak to me. And I want you to know that in the season that God is busy releasing in this church and in the season that he's taking us into, what we need is a church that can hear from God. We don't need, you don't need me to tell you what God has to say to you. For real, you can hear him yourself. And probably what is most important is that we're all hearing the same thing. And so please continue to press in deeper into the prophetic and ask God just to speak to you, whether it's through dreams, through visions like we had this morning shared with us, whether it's through prophetic words, through scripture, just ask God to keep talking to you. Right after we had the guys from streams here, we had Artie Kendall preach from this pulpit. Pretty awesome, right? I mean, he gave me a hard time the whole day. But besides that, it was really nice, right? Amazing. Preached two powerful messages. I mean, I don't know if, I mean, I'm blown away that he would have come to us, but he did. And everyone I speak to was touched in some way by that weekend. If you haven't watched his preachers, please go watch them online. But for me, probably my most favorite Sunday was the Sunday after that. We had the privilege of having one of our own 620 students up here, Sam, preach not just a, a young man's message, right? He wasn't preaching a cute and fuzzy word that was here to make us feel good about the youth in our church. We saw a young man get up here and present the gospel to us in power. I mean, that's powerful, friends. In fact, up until this last week, I was getting messages from people all across the world watching the message saying, how old is that guy? And I said, he's 35. I mean, doesn't he look like that? Come on, you know? But for real, we saw a young man preach the gospel, and I felt like this week as I was preparing, and I know I'm not even at my preacher, but I've got lots to encourage us with. I felt that there was a word that the Lord gave me for the youth in this church. In fact, not just in our church, but the youth in general. And the word is this. God has given you both a voice and a message. And he wants you to use your voice to proclaim the message that he's deposited in you. I truly believe that the next move of God that we will encounter in this church and in many churches across this nation will begin with the youth. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Get on your knees. Pray. We need to hear what you've got. This is not about tokenism. We don't want to raise up the youth and just say, hey, look at us. We're a really family-friendly church. No, there is a message that's placed in the youth because youth see things differently to the way we do. And so please, don't feel like, you know, Sam's pretty awesome. Don't get me wrong. 
But every one of you have the capacity and the ability to preach a message like Sam when you trust in what God's put into your hearts. And so please, youth, rise up. We need you, and we need you in this time and in this season. And then this past weekend, I had the privilege of being in Colorado with seven other mighty men. That's Catherine's with the, the wives now. I was with the men last week, just praying in the mountains with one sole purpose in mind. What is God saying to his church? What is he saying to us? How can we hear God? How can we encounter God? How can we build and foster accountability between very different men doing different things in different churches across the state? And what was so encouraging for me is God reminded me of the simple fact that God speaks to his church. Sometimes, I know I struggle with this, I get like a little bit of an Elijah complex where I stand before God. I'm like, I'm the only one, Lord, left that's saying what you want me to say. And then God has to nudge me on my shoulder and say, actually, you know, you're not the only one. Don't, get, don't, get too, don't take yourself too seriously, Marco. There's many others like you. And what was encouraging is this weekend, seven of us came to this one meeting with one word in common. And the word was this, Jesus wants his church back. He wants his church back and he wants our hearts back, friends. I mean, that's just, a, that's just a big word. And what it means to us is that if we really consider our lives and we look at ourselves quite closely, what we often have the tendency of doing is putting other things on the throne. And I'm saying that as individuals, but I'm also saying that to us as churches. We have a very good knack of making other things more important than Jesus. When it comes to us as individuals, we like things like work. They become important, wealth. Maybe it's a social standing. Perhaps it's a a political persuasion, those things start to identify who we are. And all of a sudden, before we know it, those are the things that we're worshiping. And it comes to churches, we start to chase after things like growth. Perhaps it's control, finances, bigger, better, whatever, experiences. And when those things become the things that we as churches are worshiping, Jesus is off the throne and we become something very different than he had intended from the beginning. And whilst none of those things are inherently bad, those are good things. Growth is good. You know, worshiping, um, you know, together in a place that looks great is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is we can't put the cart before the horse. And so the sense that I have in my heart is that we do that so often. But there is only one thing that's worthy of our worship, and his name is Jesus. And so in saying that Jesus wants his church back and he wants our hearts back, back means that we need to become the kind of people who remove anything that we've placed above Jesus, either by choice because sometimes we decide intentionally to put things ahead of Jesus. We do. I mean, let's be honest. We're all human beings. I fail all the time at this. But sometimes it's also through a series of unintended consequences. Before we know it, the culture of the world has crept into the church. And so we need to remove those things. And so over the next sort of few months, we're going to be looking at a, a series that we've touched on before. It's called Kingdom Values. And for us, it's about developing a kingdom heart. These kingdom values are going to help us in the face of ever-increasing pressure from the world and the culture to stay the course, to stay focused on Jesus. And this is not me preaching to you, it's me preaching to us. I've got to know these things as much as you do. And in fact, you've got to hold me accountable to them as much as I'm going to hold you accountable to them. Because the fact is, what this world doesn't need is another church that looks like the culture or another church that looks like the world. What this world needs is a church that looks like and points people to Jesus. Paul said this in 1 Timothy to his spiritual son, Timothy, chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, in other words, if I don't make it to you, Timothy, remember this. This is important. You may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. Sometimes I think we, we just readjust this a little bit. Sometimes we think, well, 
how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the denomination I belong to, or the church of the personality of the person leading the church, or the church of whatever it is, the church of worship. We start to replace the living God with things that we've created ourselves. What Paul is saying is that this church belongs to one person and he's God. This is his church. And then he goes on to say this, a pillar and a buttress of the truth. Paul's telling Timothy that the church exists for a purpose. The purpose that we hold and carry as a church and as any other church in this nation and in this world is to represent and be images of Christ. That's our job. Our job is to bring the kingdom to this earth. The word of God tells us that we are seated in heavenly places, which means that we have a dual position. We are here on this earth, operating in this world, but we're not of this world, right? We have an identity in heaven. When you play the Lord's Prayer, what is the prayer? On earth as it is in heaven. And so the commandment to us is to take the things that are heavenly and bring them to earth. What we like to do is take the things that are earthly and just make our lives about them. And so we're here to be images. But in addition to that, Paul is saying that we've got to be pillars, buttresses, and things that stand for truth. If you don't know what a buttress is, don't feel bad because I don't know what it is either. Brandy probably knows, but it's this. A buttress is an architectural structure built against or projecting from a wall which serves to support or reinforce a wall. If you've ever seen an ancient church or an old building, you'll have these pillars connected to the wall, but on the outside of the wall, that's a buttress. The buttress is a supporting structure. It's to reinforce an existing wall. And so the church is there to reinforce, to support, to hold firm. What? The truth. And so what is this truth? Well, I can tell you now what the truth is. It's not man's agenda. It's God's agenda. The truth is not the world's culture. It's a kingdom culture. The truth is not the church hiding in defeat. It's the church advancing in victory. Or, other, or put another way, it's the truth of the gospel. The truth of God's living and infallible word. The truth that what Jesus promised us, that we would receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is going to and is happening to us already. That's the truth that we are called to stand for. Nothing else and nobody else. And so these kingdom values help us to do that. They help us to stand strong. They become levers that we can rely on, levers that we can go back to when the world is throwing things at us and we can remind ourselves, hold up a mirror and say, that's not important. This is important. There's a word that we were given as a church. Catherine and I were given it before we came to America. I've given it to this church, and I'm sure many other people in this room have been given this particular scripture over their lives, and many other churches have got it. But it comes from Isaiah 54, and I'm going to just paraphrase this for us this morning. And so please don't you know, burn me at the stake. I'm not a heretic. I'm just trying to add a little bit of perspective to this scripture. Because the fact is God's got a big plan for this church. I believe it. Isaiah says this in verse 2, he says, Enlarge the place of your tent, Hope Rock Church, and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you, Hope Rock Church, will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. God has started this work in our local church, and I want to be clear, this is not about numerical growth. This is about growth and influence. It's about growth in the kingdom. And it might include numerical growth. It might include growth in other areas. But this is about increasing our influence. And why do we increase our influence? So we can become more important and we can get more people watching our YouTube channel and we can get more money into the church? No. We increase our influence so we can impact the world. Bring the kingdom to this earth. And so we want to stretch out. 
But you know what happens if you're on a mountain? I don't know if anyone's ever climbed a mountain. I've had the privilege of climbing, climbing some really big mountains. And the key with a tent on a mountain is you want to make the tent as small as possible. You don't want a big tent. Because the bigger the tent, the bigger the sail. Literally. The wind comes, bro, you are flying off the side of the mountain. But what's interesting is Isaiah is saying, he's saying, get bigger, go wider, make the tent as big as you possibly can. But then he adds a little caveat. He says, strengthen your stakes. You see, kingdom values are the stakes that hold our ever-increasing capacity. The bigger the tent, the bigger the stakes. We can't just have a big tent because you might do that and you might see this happen. People grow big really fast, but then what happens? The wind comes and it blows this thing down the hill. And so along with growing, we need to make sure we keep coming back to making these stakes strong. And this is something we'll do for the rest of our lives. And so let's bow our heads and pray. Gosh, I haven't even started yet. But let's pray. <laughs> Woo! Let me start my clock. Heavenly Father, thank you for just this amazing church, this group of family and friends that you've added to this number. And thank you, Lord, that you're in control of this church, and that's how it must be and must remain to be. I pray that this morning you would not let me get ahead of myself and that I would only say what honors you and what brings you glory. I pray that you'd humble me, Lord, um, and that you, Holy Spirit, would just move and speak to our hearts. As this word gets preached, I pray that you would apply it to us. I apply it to my heart, Lord, because I need to hear it too. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Most of you know Tyron Daniels leads NCMI. His father, Dudley Daniels, always used to say something uh, which was quite interesting. He said, what you're saved into is far more important than what you're saved out of. And what he was saying is literally that we can become so fixated about where we've come from, right? We can get fixated about our testimonies before Christ. And don't get me wrong, those testimonies are powerful and the world needs to hear some of them for sure. But we're not called to live in the past, right? Instead, God saves us out of our past lives into something else. He saves us into God's family. Paul puts it this way in Romans 8. He says, For all of you who are led by the Spirit of God are sons, daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. As sons and daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. See, Paul's trying to tell us something so simple to understand. He's trying to tell us that no longer are we strangers, no longer are we orphans, no longer are we slaves. We are sons and daughters of God. In other words, we've been added to a family. You know, a family is not a family unless there's more than one person, right? I mean, honestly, I mean, you can't be adopted into a family if nobody else is there. It's just you on your own. And so God saves us into community, which means we're not just lone rangers on this earth. I know that for me as an introvert, I like the lone ranger life, believe me. Like Cain in Kung Fu, wandering the desert my whole entire life by myself, bro. Put me there, I'll be happy. But God hasn't saved me into that kind of existence. He saved me into a family, a church, a, a family of God, a body made up of different stones. Some stones are big, some stones are small, some stones are sharp. They cut. Some stones are gnarly looking. Not, I'm talking about physical, but I'm just, you know, I'm going to get myself into lots of trouble here. The fact is we're all different. We're saved into this community together. It's not easy, friends, but it's God's design. And so the definition of community is this. Because that's the first kingdom value that we're going to be focusing on today. A community is a group of people living in the same place, having a particular characteristic in common. Or it's a feeling. It's a feeling of fellowship, belonging, connecting to someone. It's a feeling of sharing common goals, attitudes, interests. That's what community is, right? And so that's what we saved into. So let's just think about this real quick. Do we have a common heritage? Every one of us in this room do. Why? Because every one of us, we're dead. 
spiritually dead. That's what the Bible tells us. Before we knew Jesus Christ, we were dead. We're not bad people trying to become good. We're dead people raised to life. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Ephesians 2. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so we share a common goal. We share a common unity. We come from the same place. We have a common heritage, a common past. We were all dead, and now we're alive. But guess what? We also share a common future. It's written on this wall. To know Christ and to make him known. Matthew 22, Great Commission. Sam preached this. The Great Commandment. Sorry, first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. A second is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. So we start with love. We love Christ and God first, and then we love each other. That's community. But guess what? We also then go out and tell people in the world about this. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. I read an interesting article this week. 75% of the church in America doesn't know about the Great Commission. Do you know that? I mean, it's just blow, well, in fact, 51% said they knew about it. But when you, when you drill down into the numbers, it's actually 75% of the people are oblivious of the Great Commission. This is our common destiny, friends. We are called to love God, love his people, and make sure the world gets saved. Not by our power, but through his might. Our job is to take the message out there. And so to be in community means we have to agree on these fundamental principles. Are we together? Are we going in the same direction? The church is all called to go in the same direction. Every church, not just ours, every church. But there are some fundamental truths that we also have to settle about community. And some of these are going to be really tough to hear. I'm telling you right now because they were tough for me to write. Because, you know, what I always try and do is apply them to my own heart. And so the first truth that God laid on my heart is being in community means we have to understand that it's only in community that we can be protected. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. Sorry, my water. Woe to him who is alone because when he falls, he has no one to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. How can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. We often use the threefold cord in marriages and ceremonies, Right? Two of us are great and strong. We can do lots more. But Jesus added to the mix power. The fourth man in the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Jesus, all of a sudden everything changes in our lives too. As a church, us as a community with Jesus, we're unstoppable. But notice, it's Jesus and us, right? The way God works is he doesn't need us. He doesn't have to have us, but he chooses to work alongside us. Don't ask me why. I mean, if I was God, I wouldn't have chosen me. That's a fact. But he chooses us and he says, I'm going to put you in a community with other people that see things the same way you do, that are saved just like you're saved so we can advance the kingdom together. And this verse is telling us a simple truth. What the, this preacher in Ecclesiastes is telling us is that we're travelers on a, on a journey called life. And guess what? There's some big holes ahead of you. Ask Joseph. He'll tell you about some of those holes. His brothers threw him or not. But seriously, there were so many pits in those days from digging wells and trying to dig wells that people literally fell into holes all the time. And so you always wanted to be with someone when you're walking in the wilderness because if you fell into a hole on your own, you were in trouble. Nobody's going to find you. That's what community is about. Because believe me, there's some big holes out there. There's some big traps that, we want to fall, that we're going to fall into. Sometimes the enemy is going to make us fall into them. Well, not make us. He's going to tempt us to fall in them. Sometimes we fall in them just because we're just so ignorant of what's going on around us. So we need each other. That's what this preacher is telling us. And so the fact that we think that we can do it alone is just mind-boggling. And this blows my mind because now I can't be alone and I can't be Cain and I can't just wander the desert because it doesn't help to do that by myself. But there's this notion. There's this notion that we can be in community or do community or live without community. We call it community. We say we're part of a community because we're all Christian, but we're actually not connected to anyone or anything. 
And to be honest, I think this is one of the areas that the enemy has attacked the church so much, especially over the last two years, because he's isolated the church. He's isolated people within the church. He's lulled the church to, to sleep by telling them that virtual church is the same as in-person church. And I'm not, please, I'm not trying to bring a heavy on anybody here. It's not my intention. If you can't make a church, that's fine. Don't get me wrong. But this notion that we can live outside of the realms of being in contact with real people, with real relationships is fictitious. It doesn't work, friends. Ask anybody who's tried to live that life. You'll see how desperate and lonely it is and how depressed you become. We need each other. We need to be together all the time, as much as we can possibly be. And so my point is, just watching preachers online, no matter how good the preacher is, is not the same as God imparting something to you because of the body of Christ. Reading books all the time, unless it's the Bible, which is not a book, this is the inspired word of God, but reading people's books is not going to keep you in community. Being in community means we actually have to talk to real people. Tell me, it's hard, I get it. It means we have to have real relationships. It means we have to step outside of our comfort zone and come to real churches and not just live our lives through a TV screen. And I don't care what, any, what anybody says, that is not the way we are meant to live as the church. I was saying this morning in our prayer meeting, the underground church in places like Iran and Saudi Arabia choose to meet with each other in the face of death. Why? Because meeting for them is what gives them the strength to carry on. Not because they're like, hey, you know, let's just be a little bit naughty and get together and play some pool. No, I need you, you need me, together we fill each other with this energy. That was like a poem. That <laughs> like sounds like a kid's song. I need you, you need me, together we fill each other with energy. That's amazing. I'm gonna write, Kelsey, write that down, bro. We've got to put that out there. But for real, we need each other. You know that like this, this picture of the body of Christ? Think of each of us being a cell in the body. Each of us carry, you know, a little bit of mitochondria. We carry a little bit of stuff and we're all floating around this, this body. Do you know that each cell, when connected to another cell and connected to another cell, forms the body? But when we're alone, we're not the body. And so we need each other. The second truth that we need to settle is that being in community means that we are devoted to community. It's a devotion. It's not an optional extra. Acts 2, we all know this, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Isn't it interesting that when you're living a devoted life, signs and wonders follow? It almost means that if we're not being devoted and then we wonder why there's no signs and wonders, well, there's the answer, right? It's because this is a hobby. This is another organization. It's another club that we've joined. It's another badge that we can wear. I don't know if they have, do they have scouts in this country. Do they have scouts? Sorry, I don't know if it's called scouts. Is it scouts? Okay, you're going to get those badges. Sometimes we wear church like a badge. We've done it. We did the seven obligatory in the row meetings. We've done that. I'm done with my devotions for now. And again, I'm not condemning anyone. I'm applying this to my own heart because believe me, I struggled with this in the beginning days of my life as a believer. Right after the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church devoted themselves to four things. Teaching, the breaking of bread, which is communion, prayer, and fellowship. Now the danger with that is we can read the scripture and then we say to ourselves, but we do that every Sunday, right? I mean, this morning we started with prayer. We're in community. We're in fellowship right now. We're going to have some fellowship afterwards too. We're going to break bread at the end of the meeting. And, you know, 
what else? We, we're, gonna, we're hearing me teach. It might not be good. I'm sorry, but you're hearing me teach, right? So we've done it. We've ticked the box, and that's it. We've done our community for the week. We devoted, just like the early church was. I truly believe that the early church is the model we should follow, right? And so when I read this, I'm like, man, I got this down, man. Look at me, Lord. Whew, every Sunday I do this. But it's not about Sundays. It's about every day. See, if we go on and you read Acts 2 verse 46, it says, and day by day, day by day, not one day a week, not two days a week, day by day, they met in the temple together and they broke bread in their homes. They received their food with generous hearts. This is talking about a lifestyle, friends. It's not about a club. The church is not a building, okay? The church is not an organization. It's not a 501c3. It's not a grouping of gifted singers. It's not a music venue. It's not about a gifted preacher. It's not a website. It's none of those things. Friends, the church is its people, this is just a building. Together we are the church. And so we can't be devoted on a Sunday. It's like saying to your parents, listen, I really love you. I appreciate you. And I love you with all my heart. But I'm only going to see you once every six weeks. Okay, and that's my, my measure of love. No, we get together all the time. Now, what does that mean? How does that play out? Well, look at the early church. They met together daily. Now, I'm not asking you to go meet with each other daily because it does get a bit tiring. But what I am saying is let's change our perspective. Once a week is not enough. That is not devoted to these things. Devotion is every day, every moment, 365 days of the year. The church is God's people. It's an organic body. It's living. It's breathing. It's a people who work out through God's love, centered around Jesus Christ, declaring and living the message out of the gospel, living the message of the gospel out in their lives. Every moment of every day. Imagine if we... I mean, sometimes I think we like community and the notion of it, but we also like the idea that we can opt out of it, right? Can you imagine if the early church had the opportunity to opt out of community? I can tell you now what would have happened. If I was Stephen, bro, I would have been like, woo, okay, show's over, buddy. This has been great, guys. I appreciate you. They got rocks. I'm done. You guys take care of yourselves. I'm out. Or what about, you know, Peter and Paul being thrown into jail? I mean, they could have opted out, Hey? There is no opting out in the kingdom. You're either in the kingdom or you're not. And if we're in the kingdom, then we must be devoted to each other. And this is a journey. I get it. And it's hard. It's hard for me. But I have to apply myself and take my flesh and put it into submission and say, I've got to be with God's people. The third truth is being in community means that we have to contend for unity. There's Marco again speaking about unity. We speak about unity. Well, I see a divided church, unfortunately. Not here. I mean, this church is the most united thing in the history of the universe. I'm saying out there. Of course. 2 Timothy 2, verse 22. So flee youthful passions. Paul's saying to his spiritual son, stop acting like a child. Okay? That's what he's basically saying. Marco's paraphrased version. Don't get caught up with childish things. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And then he says, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In other words, stay away from people that aren't calling upon the Lord. I'm not saying don't go to the lost, but make sure the people that are in your inner circle are people who are praising and putting all their attention on our king. Because that's what the church exists for, right? Image bearers of God. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed arguments or quarrels. I'm going to read that again. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies, friends. Yes, Paul is dealing with the simple fact that there were false teachers in the church. But you know what's happening today? Is we're taking teaching from outside the church, we're bringing it in the church and making a doctrine. Paul's saying don't get involved in that kind of stuff. And he doesn't end there with Timothy. He's like going after him. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone. Stop arguing with people all the time. 
Believe me, it's pointless. Be kind, be loving, be generous. Show the fruit of the Spirit. That's what Paul's dealing with here. He's talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Faith, love, peace, joy, gentleness, kindness, goodness, self-control. Let those be the things that we lead with. And then he ends off. And let the Lord's servant, uh, sorry, and, and be able to teach patiently, enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. The word community is made up of two words, common and unity. In other words, we share a common unity. Okay, we've really discussed the definition. We know what brings us together, both the past and the future and where we're going. But you know what I've found over the last two years is the church has become increasingly divided. Because we've allowed the enemy and the world and the issues of the world to become the center focus of the issues within the church. And so the church is dividing itself right now over issues that it has got nothing to do with, to be honest. We've had to deal with politics in the church. We've had to deal with racial division in the church. We've had to deal with things like, you know, COVID and whether we should be wearing a mask or shouldn't be wearing a mask. And now the most recent thing is, do we get vaccinated or don't we get vaccinated? All of these issues are just distractions, friends. It's like when you're messing around with your cat at home. If, if you've got a cat, they're crazy animals. But you've got a cat, you play with this laser stuff, the pointer, you shine that thing, that cat chases that laser all over the place, jumps up the wall. Kelsey, you know, your cats are crazy too. But uh, the point is that that cat thinks that if it gets a hold of the laser, it's got it, right? I mean, I'm thinking like a cat. I'm not a cat, but I'm assuming it imagines it can catch the laser. The fact is, it can't catch the laser. Why? Because the laser is just a distraction. These issues, friends, that, I'm just, that I just listed now are distractions to the church. You see, the enemy shines them at us. He brings these, these, these little issues and he says, get, get consumed with this. Get, get so worked up about this and get distracted from your mission. Do you know what our mission is as the church? I'm speaking about as the church. It's to make much of Jesus, to present the gospel. And the longer we stay fighting about these side issues, the less we're talking about the gospel. And I did a little quick audit in my own life because I'm going to speak about myself now. If I measure all the conversations I've had over the last two years, do you know that probably 70 to 80% of the time I'm speaking about these controversies? And the Lord said to me, imagine if you spent all that time speaking about me. What would have happened? And I am humbled by that. And I am absolutely rebuked by that. Because you know what? I lead with those controversies because they're fun to talk about. Our job is not to get involved in civilian pursuits, friends. That's not the church's job. I'm not saying don't have an opinion, and I'm not saying don't be passionate about things. I have no problem with people being passionate about stuff and believing things. You are entitled to your beliefs. You're entitled to your opinions outside of the church on this stuff. That's up to you, friends. But what I do have a problem with is when we allow these issues to divide us in the church. The church's job is to focus on Jesus Christ, to make much of the gospel and let that other stuff stay in the world. When Paul says to us, and he says this to, to Timothy, he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Our job in the church, and I'm speaking about the church, is to be with Jesus, to point people to Jesus, right? There are two kingdoms in operation in this world. There is the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of the enemy. There is the world. When we operate on those issues, we're operating in the world. Let's not bring the world into the church. Do what you need to do out there. You can be a social justice warrior, but the purpose of the church is not to be a social justice organization. The purpose of the church is to present the gospel, to get the lost saved, to get people into the kingdom. And yes, when we do that, what is crazy is a lot of the stuff gets worked out too, but let's not make those the primary objectives. And I just want to free people as well. I want to free you if you're here this morning and you're stressed out about this vaccine. Listen to me. If you want to get the vaccine and wear a mask, please do that. God loves you. I love you. You're welcome in this church. 
Okay, you're not going to hell. I promise you. Okay, do whatever is right for you and your family. If you don't want to wear a mask and you don't want to go get the vaccine, then don't do it either. That's up to you. That's fine. I support you. I love you. Let's not get divided about this stuff. Okay, I honestly believe that it's your choice, and I know it, because it's not a moral issue. We've turned these things into moral issues. Let us be a church that leads with love, that leads with the gospel in every conversation, in every moment of every single day. You see, if we behave like the world, and we start arguing like the world argues, then we can't expect a different result to what the world gets, right? But if we lead with love, and we lead with, lead with compassion, and we present Jesus Christ as front and center of everything that we do, we'll start to see lives changed. But be free, friends. The fourth truth is being in community means we're planted and we're accountable. Acts 17, 26, Paul says this. He says, And made from, every man is, made from one man every nation of mankind to live on... And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Paul's speaking to the Areopagus, and he's trying to remind the Greek people in this context that, listen, don't think too much of yourself because actually God put you where you are. Okay, and so there's one thing that none of us can control, and that is when we were born. Okay, you didn't decide it. You didn't put a petition in with God. God decided, I'm going to place you in this time. And so guess what? All of us, dealing with all of this craziness out there, have been placed in this time for such a purpose as this, right? And so there's a time that we can't control, but what we do have control over is where we'll be. And what God has done in his infinite wisdom by design is connected your inheritance, my inheritance with the people. There is an inheritance waiting for you that you cannot inherit entirely unless you are where God wants you to be. It was the same with the nation of Israel. Go out there and conquer the, the nations around you. If they decided not to do it, did they walk into the inheritance? They didn't. They lost everything. God's called us and planted us in a specific place. Our job is to hear from God and say, Lord, where do you want me? Maybe some of you are in Hope Rock Church, but this isn't where God wants you. Man, let's pray together and see where God wants you. Please go wherever God wants you, because if you want to grow, you need to be there, not here. Likewise, if you're not here and you should be here, then maybe this is where you need to be planted. But the challenge I have is in this sort of Western culture of ours, we've developed this notion that we actually are all part of the universal church. And so it doesn't actually matter. Being planted somewhere doesn't mean anything anymore. Because guess what? The universal church, we're all part of it. And what that means is that I have the liberty to float around and do what I want and go here and go there like eating a buffet, right? We all like buffets. All you can eat buffets, you know those things? I, always, I never eat as, enough, as much as I think I'm going to eat. But like at the buffet, I'm like, give me steak, give me potatoes, and give me ice cream. No more Brussels sprouts. Those things are from the devil, right? <laughs> no Brussels sprouts, none of that weird stuff, okay? And no, what's that, that okra? No, don't give me okra, bro, ever. That stuff is crazy. It's slimy. And so we treat church and community like a buffet, you know? And so we, we, we love the children's program somewhere, and so that's our children's program church, and that's where we go, and we love the style of worship at another church, and so we go to that church to worship like they worship, and, and we like the teaching somebody else somewhere else, so we'll go and be there. And what we've done is spread ourselves so thin that we're not accountable to anyone. We have no real relationships, and the enemy just picks us off. Psalm 1, we all know the psalm, right? Blessed is the man who doesn't um, walk in the counsel of the wicked, sit at the seat of scoffers, stand in the way of sinners. He, instead, he meditates on the law of the Lord, and he's like a tree who will be planted by streams of living water, and he will produce fruit in season, and his leaves will never wither. That's Psalm 1, to 4, psalm 1 verses 1 to 4, paraphrased. And what the key word is there is planted. He is planted. 
A man who is in the will of God and a woman is planted, not nomadic. We don't uproot ourselves every week and say, okay, well, here I am here now, here I am there next week. Because what happens when we do that is we'll never grow. And so I want to encourage us this morning. Get connected, get planted, find out where God wants you to be. Because when we do treat the church like a buffet, what ends up happening is we hurt the church. I'm talking about the, us as the church. You know why? Is we foster this culture of performance. Because then every church wants to outperform the next church because I'm just going to try to get everyone to come here. And then guess what? Next Father's Day, I'm going to give away five Bugatti Veyrons to every father that comes. And then the other church is now, no, no, well, that's not enough. I'm going to buy you an apartment in Manhattan. And we're going to have a raffle. And then it just gets crazier and crazier. And then we turn the church into a circus. Just get Find out where God wants you. Get planted there. And I'm not saying don't support other ministries. I'm not saying don't deposit your gifting in other places. Go and help other people out. What I'm saying is that can only happen from community. It doesn't happen the other way around. And you can't be a part of the universal church unless you're part of the local church. Okay, you, if you're not connected, then you're not part of the church. So get connected. And I'm not saying get connected here, but get connected. Fifth and last final point. Whew. Being in community means that we should and can be vulnerable. This is, a, this is a big one because the truth is authenticity is something I think we all struggle with. Galatians 6 verse 2, Paul says this. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Second is like it, love your neighbors yourself. The law of Christ is the law of love. He's saying bear one another's burdens. In other words, there should be a lot deeper elements to our relationships than just the surface level stuff that we so often just talk to each other about. It's like you meet somebody at church and you say, hey, you know, how's it going with the family? And my family's great. How are your kids? The kids are doing amazing. How's business? Mm, couldn't be better. We're going to list soon. We're going to be a billion dollar company. Great. How's your wife? Amazing. Best wife. Happy marriage. Meanwhile, you know the marriage is on the rocks. The kids are on drugs and the business is about to collapse, right? And you know all of this, but like, we just don't talk about it. We avoid it. That's just a fictitious example, right? I'm not saying it is anyone in this church. But my point is that's how we treat community, right? Everyone comes in. How are you doing? Oh, hallelujah, man. God is good. Yes, life, I'm blessed. <laughs> Amazing. Meanwhile, you've kicked the dog. Your wife has screamed you in the car. You're not even talking to each other. You've had a huge fight. Nobody is talking to each other in the family. Your kids are like, uh, at, the, at their wit's end with you as parents because we frustrate them. But hallelujah, I'm blessed, man. God is good. Yes, let's get on with church so I can leave you, please. <laughs> man, it's so sad. Like, seriously, like, I think we think this is the only place in the world where everyone has to be perfect, right? So we put on our makeup. Fictitiously, not, ladies, I'm not got nothing wrong with makeup. Not uh, this is an illustration. Put on our makeup, we come to church, we put the masks on, and hey, we're good. No. I think we need to be more real with each other. Now, I'm, I get it. There's certain things that we want to share with people and certain things that we've got to share with specific people. I'm not saying come here every Sunday, stand up here and say, guys, guess what? My wife hates me. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm saying find people, build a relationship, tell them who you are. Tell them what's going on in your life. Tell them how much your life sucks at the moment if it sucks. Life is tough. Remember the preacher? Holes, pitfalls, traps. We're going to fall into them. Let's just be honest about them and talk about them because I'll tell you now that we will only grow up and mature as the bride of Christ when we can be real about the struggles we have. I struggle all the time. Let me say from the pulpit, I struggle all the time. Some days I'm more Christ-like, some days I'm very less Christ-like, especially with my kids. Unless you just, just take it easy there. Yeah, let me. 
For real, like I struggle. I'm, I'm a human being. I get things wrong. I get things right. But I trust that there are people around me that can support me, that can hold me accountable. And I'm here for any one of you if you want to talk to me about anything. For real, there's nothing that can shock me. Honestly, like for real. And so I'm going to leave us with three questions before we sing. How do we know we're in community? Well, we have to ask these tough questions. First of all, are we relationally committed? What that means is, first of all, you're in a relationship with Jesus. If you aren't, come talk to me after this. I want to help you get into a relationship with Jesus. But if you are in a relationship with Jesus, when was the last time you spoke to him? When was the last time you picked up your Bible and read his word? When was the last time you prayed? Not just for yourself, but for somebody else. If you're in a relationship with Jesus, then you should be having a relationship with him. And are you in a relationship with people in this church? Honestly, if you don't have anyone in this church that you can bear your soul to, there is a problem, friends. Find that person. And perhaps it's when you have to let go of your own judgment that you'll find those people. And please, if people do talk to you about stuff, and I want to say this, if people share their hearts with you, keep it confidential. Unless it's something that, you, that you've agreed to that you'll raise to somebody else, but keep it to yourself. The second question is, are you integrated and functioning? If you're in community, you have to be integrated. You know, the Bible uses this picture, we're knitted together. Okay, and so integration means we're together with each other. And so are you connected to this church outside of a Sunday morning? Do you go to Mother's Prayer Circle once a month? I don't know. Do you send your children to 620 students? Or do you pray for the church? Are you a part of a life group? If you're not, please get a hold of one of the life group leaders and join a life group. That's what integration means. And functioning is always serving. Now you say, well, that's, now we get it. That's why Mark preached on this. We need, we need volunteers. This is this volunteer Sunday. No, it's not about that. We're called to be servants in the kingdom, friends. That's just the reality. Servants before leaders. And so find a place to serve. It doesn't matter how often you do it, but find a place to get connected. And then the last question is, are you partnering with the gospel outside of church? Remember, community is not done once a week. It's done all the time. And so what are the things that, that you're passionate about doing? We're going on a mission trip to Rotan. Maybe that's where you want to go. Maybe you want to go to Rotan and, and, and God's given your heart for that nation. Or maybe it's not that. I know there's people in this church who are passionate about certain things because God's put it there in your heart. Some people are passionate about you know, adoption. Some people are passionate about prison ministry. Some people are passionate about working with drug addicts. What is that thing in your heart and what can you do alongside us to go and impact those people and how can we partner with you? It's only when we start to think outside of our local community, connected to it, that we start to partner in the translocal gospel that God has got for us. And if you want to know how to evangelize, if you want to go out there, you don't have to be an evangelist. You just need to get involved. Find a way, find a place where God wants you and get connected. But let us be a church that contends for unity, that would love one another regardless of our personal decisions that are outside of the moral fiber of the church. Let us be a church who cheers each other on. Let us be a church who points everybody to Jesus. Let us be a church where the community of God is felt so powerfully that we see signs and wonders following our meetings. I long for the days, friends, where we see the dead raised in our meetings. Well, it would be weird if there's dead people in the meeting, but you know what I mean. I long for the days to see people healed and marriages restored and addicts set free right here, limbs growing. I mean, God can do all of that stuff. But what we need to be is devoted. Devoted to community, not just on Sundays, but every day of the week. Let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to break bread together and then end off with one last song. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just the way you continuously nudge us closer to you, Lord. That you pursue us, Lord Jesus. No matter how much we are disobedient at times, you pursue us regardless, Lord. 
Father, I pray that as it relates to this value of community, Lord, that if we've missed it or if we don't like it or if there's something in us that is preventing us from getting connected to it, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to see what those issues are so we can deal with them. I pray for a community, Lord, at Hope Rock Church that would be a community based on love, a community that's sold out for you, Jesus, a community that respects one another, who cheers each other on, and a community that is devoted to living in community. Lord, we are trusting for signs, wonders, and miracles to flow through this church, not just so we can keep them here, so that we can impact this nation. We love you, Lord. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Hope Rock Church at Lake Travis podcast. We are a church that is passionate about knowing Christ and making Him known in our city, the nation, and the ends of the earth. For more information on who we are, please go to www.hoperockchurch.com or find us on Facebook. Thank you.